Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Amen. It's great to be here this morning. I want to begin this morning by saying thank you. Thank you to all of you who've responded to uh, September, our missions month. I want to report to you that this year we've received more responses, more faith promises than we did last year. So thank you. Thank you. There's some, there, there are some that are taking to heart this idea of supporting missions. And by the way, we have received pledges that will allow us to tell the missions that we support we're going to keep that same level going into the next year. So again, thank you. And you can keep, uh, you can keep sending in uh, your faith promises. We are so grateful to be able to support these local missions as well as uh, some of the missionaries that are in the foreign lands. And as I mentioned, I saw Sharon and Howard Hester here this morning. There are missionaries uh, to Kenya, East Africa. And we're glad to have them in the house this morning. And we're glad to support what they do as well as all the others. It is really a blessing. It is a blessing to just be able to uh, share the gospel and watch as people are helped as they receive the gospel. And we hear about these things like what, what are happening in California. The, the, I had read an article that said in that town of paradise, 6,700 structures are gone. And they said most of those are houses. That, that, that's five, 6,000 houses gone, which is amazing. It's really, really a hard time out there. And sometimes when we have a little uh, more than we planned in our missions, we can do some special things, and we're grateful for that. But when, when we look around and we see these things, and uh, of course, in California too, they had that uh, just another tragic, senseless uh, uh, killing, uh, you know, mass, mass killing. And, uh, and now that same town is the fires are coming through. Man, it just seems like things are broken. So much is broken. And we know that our God can be part of repairing. And I want to speak about that this morning. I want to speak about the broken becoming fixed, restored. And we're still going to be following major prophet Ezekiel. I want to I move into this this morning from what we talked about last week, give a little review of what we discussed last week. I mentioned this prophet Ezekiel. He was kind of bizarre, a little bit weird. He had to act out some of the words and the messages that God was giving him, all the things that he did while he gave the message, shaking and trembling, clapping and stomping. Man had to shave his head. He had to build little models of a city, lay on one side for a whole bunch of days, lay on another side. He was digging through the wall of his house and had to crawl out. All of this dramatizing the word. And he did more. 
I'll share with you another thing that he had to did that he had to do something I didn't mention last week. Early in his ministry, he received this word from the Lord. Your tongue is going to stick to the roof of your mouth. How in the world do you bring God's word if your tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth? But early on in Ezekiel chapter 3, the Lord said, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be silent and unable to rebuke these people because they are rebellious people. God went on, though. He said, but when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to these people, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So in other words, Ezekiel couldn't make no small talk with the people. He couldn't uh, get in a conversation with them. He could only bring what the Lord had for him to say. And then poor guy's tongue would stick to the roof of his mouth. Like he was like on a peanut butter diet or something. I don't know. But after giving the word of the Lord, nothing. Now, would this last forever? Was this a, an, inf- an infirmity that he was going to carry? No. We find later on in his ministry, years later, good number of years later, in chapter 24, when it comes to what Ezekiel had to experience for God, this thing, the tongue sticking to his roof of his mouth, that, that was nothing. Now there was something even harder. And this is probably the hardest part. The hardest reading in this book of Ezekiel, what the Lord asked him to do. And I want to share that with you. It's Ezekiel 24, verses 15 to 18, or 19. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, with one blow, I'm about to take away from you the delight of your eyes. Yet, do not lament or weep or shed any tears. Groan quietly. Do not mourn for the dead. Keep your turban fastened and your sandals on your feet. So I spoke to the people in the morning. And in the evening, my wife died. The next morning, I did as I was commanded. Then the people asked me, won't you tell us what these things have to do with us? Why are you acting like this? He's finally getting the people's attention. But what a hard, difficult thing the Lord has asked him to do. So what did Ezekiel say? Well, he couldn't say much because his tongue was still stuck to the roof of his mouth. But he said what the Lord allowed him to say. Ezekiel said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. That's how he opened most all of what he said to the people because it was what God had given him. And he told them something difficult. He said, I'm going to desecrate my sanctuary. Now, this is the word of the Lord. The Lord saying, I'm going to desecrate my sanctuary, the stronghold of your pride, the delight of your eyes the object of your affection. And what is that? What was the people's pride? What was the object of their affection? What's God talking about? My sanctuary. Well, it's a reference to the temple in the city of Jerusalem. The temple, the capital city of Jerusalem. This is what the people prided themselves in. And Ezekiel went on to say, 
your sons and your daughters are going to fall by the sword there and you'll not be able to mourn. See this picture of Ezekiel not being able to mourn for his dear wife. It was a picture to these people. Your, your city where you're, you're hanging on and you are saying, oh, the word of God is not going to come very uh, quickly. It's for many years off what we mentioned last week. And that city will stand. No, no, it's not going to stand. And when that happens, Ezekiel's saying, you aren't even going to be able to mourn. Why? Well, they're stuck captive. They're digging irrigation channels for their Babylonian captors. And do you think they're going to give them a day off to mourn? No, not going to happen. So Ezekiel had this hard task from God to again, illustrate his message. And did the people receive it? Even though they asked, hey, what does all this mean? No, they didn't receive it. They still dismissed it. They still thought, that's ah, going to be for the distant future. But remember, remember what we talked about last week. Recall, and if you weren't here, this was the word. God said, none of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the sovereign Lord. And it wasn't for the distant future. As a, a, a matter of fact, when Ezekiel brought that word that said, it's not going to be for the distant future, it was just a little over five years, about six years, and then that whole city was gone. And that's a pretty short period of time. Their city was gone. Their temple was gone. And Ezekiel, he lets us know through his writing because he gives calendar dates. He doesn't say, well, when King so-and-so was reigning, which could give you maybe a 40-year window. No, he says, on this month, on this day, this is what was going on. So let me share that with you in Ezekiel chapter 33. When the city fell, when this delight of their eyes and their pride and joy fell. It's Ezekiel 33, verses 21 and 22. In the 12th year of our exile, so Ezekiel gives a great time there. In the 12th year of our exile, in the 10th month, on the fifth day, there's a calendar date. For our calendar, that's October 5th. In the 10th month, the fifth day, a man who had escaped from Jerusalem came to me and said, the city has fallen. Now the evening before the man arrived, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he opened my mouth before the man came to me in the morning. So my mouth was open, and I was no longer silent. So the city fell, and Ezekiel was freed from this muting, and he, could, he was free to talk. What was this all about? What was this all about? I want to be a little bit like Ezekiel this morning. Get a little strange. Illustrate some things. So if, if you don't mind, Ezekiel was talking about a unified nation. He was talking about a unified nation. On, on the northern side, the nation of Israel was referred to sometimes as Joseph. Why is that? Well, Joseph received the double blessing from his father Israel. Israel, also Jacob, was Joseph's father. 
Joseph received the double blessing. He received the double portion. His two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, they received big tribes, big, big areas of land in the, in the promised land. So sometimes the entire nation of Israel was called Joseph. Well, the nation split, though. And there was a north and a south. So when that happened, the south was called Judah. The south was called Judah because that's where the capital city was in the, in the, uh, in the land of Judah. Jerusalem was there. But remember, at one time, it was solid. They were a strong nation. They were united. They were together. But then what happened? They broke. They snapped. Judah to the south. Joseph to the, to the north. This northern kingdom became fiercely rebellious. Immediately after the, the split of the nations, put up idols, they built golden calves, they worshiped anything but God, anything but the true God after this true God had brought them out of the, the land of Egypt, set them free. Because of their rebelliousness, the Assyrians came in around 722 BC. Joseph, gone. The southern kingdom, Judah, it had some times of revival. There were some good kings, but mostly bad. They had a lot of idolatry they dealt with. But there was some revival from time to time. So this kingdom kept on for a little over 100 more years. But then they really turned against God. They too turned against God. And the prophets, they were saying, turn back to God. Jeremiah, he was in Judah saying that. Ezekiel, who was taken to Babylon, he was saying, turn back to God. But as we just read in Ezekiel chapter 33, 12 years into exile, no more Judah. 585 BC is about 137 years after the north. So now what? No more nation. No more Israel. Totally gone. Nothing. Now what do you think Ezekiel was prophesying? What happened to his messages? It's interesting. As you read here, after chapter 33, there's kind of a change in tone. And it's a good change. This guy was preaching doom and gloom. Your city's going to fall. Your city's going to fall. God's, God's going to take your city. Well, now the city's gone. Now the country's gone. There is no more a nation. And what did Ezekiel do? He began to bring messages of hope. He was still acting bizarre. He was acting a little bit weird. You continue along after chapter 33 and you'll read things like this. Son of man, prophesy to the mountains. Just imagine the guy out there yelling at the mountains. That's what God told him to do. 
He's shouting at the mountains because God said, prophesy to the mountains. Now, what was he telling these mountains? Hey, mountains, you're going down? You're going down too? No. It was an interesting change. He said, hey, you mountains of Israel. He's in Babylon. He's 1,500 miles away. I picture this guy. Hey, you mountains of Israel. People are, God, this guy's crazy. He's been right all along, but he's still a little strange. Hey, you mountains of Israel. God is concerned for you. That's what he said. Trees are going to grow on you again. You are going to be fruitful again. Your towns, your ruins are going to be rebuilt. You are going to be inhabited again. You are going to be full again. Now, even though this guy is acting bizarre and he's shouting out to mountains he can't even see, hey, this is a pretty good message. This is a pretty good turn of events. That's Ezekiel chapter 36. Then comes Ezekiel 37. Now, this is probably one of the most famous portions of the writings in Ezekiel's book. Many of you probably already know it. It is the prophecy of the valley of dry bones. This is how Ezekiel 37 opens. God says, prophesy to the bones. This guy's having a vision. I don't know if you witnessed him. You can't even see what he's, what he's seeing. And he begins to prophesy to these bones. God's saying, talk to those bones. Tell those bones to come together. And as he prophesies to these bones, they rise up. They start connecting. You know, the, the leg bone's connected to the knee bone and on and on and the hip bone. And suddenly there's these skeletons in front of the guy. And God says, keep prophesying, Ezekiel. And he keeps prophesying, and these bones get covered with flesh. But now they're just bodies standing there. And God says, Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Call on the breath. Call on the breath. And those bodies, as Ezekiel calls on the breath, they become alive. And Ezekiel says, this is a vast army. It's a vast army for God. And then the Lord explains what it is. He says, Ezekiel, this is... This is the nation of Israel. They are dried up. They're nothing but dead bones. But I'm in the restoration business. I'm going to restore them. I'm going to bring them back from the dead, as, as it were, right from the grave. And I'm going to lift them up and I'm going to put my spirit back in them and they're going to live. And I'm going to settle them in their own land. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And Ezekiel is calling out this restoration. He's foretelling a future national resurrection. Now, this is not doom and gloom. This is an awesome hope. God is able. God is able. And God was saying, I'm going to gather and raise to new life the scattered remnants of this nation. And there's something significant in this message that Ezekiel was bringing because he wasn't just speaking to the people of the South. He wasn't just talking to his own people from Judah who'd been dragged off to Babylon. No, he is talking about the entire nation, that rebellious North that fell 137 years earlier because they were so rebellious and they had turned so hard against God. No, Ezekiel's saying, this is for them too. God's pointing toward a unified kingdom, a kingdom there. He's bringing everyone back together. 
And then God gave even more to Ezekiel. He gave more hope to him, more hope to bring to the people. God put Ezekiel back into the dramatization business to dramatize his word. We read on after this this prophecy to the dry bones. And this is what followed in Ezekiel chapter 37. I want to read verses 15 to 17. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the the Israelites associated with him. So he had to do this. Pick up a stick and write on it, Judah. And then God said, take another stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Joseph. Belonging to Joseph, yes, Joseph, the north. That is, to Ephraim, again, Joseph's son. And all the Israelites associated with him join them together into one stick so they'll become one in your hand. Well, this is what Ezekiel's doing. He's dramatizing the word of God. He's putting these two sticks sticks back together. I'll never forget the first time I heard this verse. Never forget the first time it was introduced to me. I was in my very early 20s. I was working uh, at a tool and die job shop. Uh, It was just a room of boards, flat boards and vertical boards. There'd be flat boards and then a wall and then more flat boards and another wall. And I was drawn on the wall. Now this I'm dating myself. I know I'm telling you how old I am. There was not a computer in the house. There was not a CAD system. Uh, Every tool and die for the auto industry, we drew with uh, pencil on mylar. So that was it. I'd come in, sit down on a stool like this, and draw on the wall. And a young man was hired. His name was Mario. And he was the most respectful person you could ever meet. This is a job shop, let me just tell you. It's not like going to church. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that goes on that, it, anyway, it's, it's kind of a tough environment from time to time. Well, Mario gets hired and he addressed everyone as sir or mister. I was sir or I was Mr. Visger. Now, I'm in my early 20s. Mario was maybe a year, my age up, one plus one, minus one, whatever. We were, we were peers. And this guy's calling me Mr. Respectful, polite. And it was noticeable. And one day, he started talking to me about his faith. And I was taken by him because of, he was so polite and nice. And he tells me about Ezekiel 37, verses 15 to 17 and two sticks. And I, I didn't know the significance of it. He, he said, hey, the one stick of Judah, he said, it's a stick. It, it represents paper. It's just an old-fashioned way to communicate. Pictures, you know, we, we still write on wood. It's just paper. He said, so there's a stick of Judah and a stick of Joseph. And he, and he told me these were two books. He said, Judah's the Bible. And Joseph, he said, that's a different book. And he handed me the book and he asked me to read it. 
It was the Book of Mormon. Now, I'd never heard this before. So I was said, oh, okay. Well, I took it home. I took it home and I started reading it. It was interesting and I had a lot of questions for Mario, but yeah, something, something was troubling me. He told me all about the Book of Mormon and the reasons why it was the book of you know, Joseph. It was from the tribe of Joseph. And he kept talking about these two sticks. But you know, finally, the way to reconcile this, hey, just go back to the Bible. I was like, why am I trying to find the answers in this Book of Mormon? I'd never heard of it. I never really looked at it. So I went back to the Bible. And you know what I found? It didn't tell me about two books. It didn't. It was about something totally different. So whenever you're confused, whenever somebody's talking to you, and they can be very nice, go back to the truth. Go back to the source. So I do that. And I want to read to you the remainder of Ezekiel chapter 37. Because the great thing about Ezekiel, he had all these parables, these living parables, these crazy antics and acting things out. But God always explained them. So here's the explanation. Ezekiel 37, 18. Ezekiel, when your people ask you, won't you tell us what your God means by this? Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, and the Israelite tribes associated with him, and join it to the stick of Judah. I will make them into a single stick of wood, and they will become one in my hand. Hold before their eyes the sticks you have written on and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone and I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel and there will be one king over them and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and their vile images with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be my God. I will be their God. My servant, David, will be king over them and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my degrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them 
forever. So I read this. I didn't read anything about two books. I didn't read anything about a book of Judah and a book of Jacob. You know what I read? What we just heard. God's going to bring two nations together. Judah was the nation to the south. Joseph was the nation to the north. God's going to restore them. God's going to bring them back. God's going to make them one. God's going to make them solid again. God's going to, even though they were broken, they're going to be together. God can do that. God can put them back together. My dwelling place will be with them, says the Lord. This is the significance of the, of the, stew, of the two sticks coming together. God can make them one again. And where they were once shattered, they're together. They got one king, never again to be divided. This was a, a prophetic direction of hope and restoration and unity of God's kingdom under one king. Who's that pointing to? That is pointing to Jesus. That is pointing to King Jesus. This is a clear prophetic foretelling of Jesus Christ, the restoration and the renewal of what has been destroyed is only accomplished through Jesus Christ. Verse 25 of what I just read, David, the prince forever. That's Jesus. Jesus came to this earth with a ministry, and his ministry was a ministry of restoration and reconciliation. You two kingdoms which were broken apart and shattered and destroyed, they're gonna be brought back together again by Jesus. He brings a covenant of peace, everlasting. That's the new and everlasting covenant only made through the blood of Jesus Christ. My dwelling place will be with them, the Lord says. I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. This unity, this reconciliation, this restoration is accomplished by the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. It's the united kingdom of Christ that's pictured here in Ezekiel chapter 37. It is not some, uh, some pointing to, uh, you know, Joseph Smith. It isn't. It's pointing to Jesus Christ. And his kingdom, his kingdom, which is open to all. And that's, that, there's the point of Ezekiel saying, hey, it's not just the south. It's not just the people I was from. It's for me and the people from the north. And you know, it's for everyone. It's from people from the north, south, east, west. It's for everyone because Jesus Christ is open to all. He can re reconcile. He resolves. He re reunites and he repairs. And his kingdom is open to any and all who would come through him. And that's the key. You got to come through him. See, and then when you do, he can make you strong again. You were broken, but he can put you back together. Lives changed. Hope found. Here, now. Now. His word will not be delayed. That hope can be yours now because Jesus changes everything. And I want to I ask, are you broken today? Is there, is there anything? Husbands and wives, husbands and wives, are you broken? Has a covenant 
which you've had with one another been broken? Has it been fractured? Are you going through the, are you going through the motions without commitment? Has there been unfaithfulness? Has there been a, a breach of trust? Covenant that's been broken? I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ can restore. Jesus Christ can put back together what has been broken. Parent and child, parent and child, have, have you been estranged? Have you not talked to your father or your mother in years? Is there a child that's been taken from your life through pain, some kind of issue that's wedged between you and, and, and your relationship has been broken? Reconciliation and restoration is possible. It is possible to put that back together with Jesus. Now, here's one. Your faith and your heart. Do you remember when they were united? When, when your faith was so much part of your life, it didn't matter what people said. It didn't matter what you came up against because you believed God could take care of things. But something's happened. The enemy's brought in some issue. He's brought in some temptations. You've experienced some setbacks. You've experienced some heartache and pain. You begin to doubt God. And somehow, that relationship began to drift. Your faith has moved away from your heart. Yeah, yeah, you do your best to put up a good front. Come to church. Move among God's people from time to time. But it's hard to trust God. It's hard to make that connection again. You don't trust them anymore. You don't trust them with, you don't trust them with your finances. You don't trust them. You, 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 it's hard for you to, to, to pull this out and, and to give because there's, there's been some hard times. I don't trust you, God. No, I, I'm not going to make that offering. I can't tithe like I used to. No. I got to hold on to it. I got I to hold on to it so I can take care of myself. Are you going to meet every need? I just don't know. I just don't know anymore. So I'm not letting go of this. I'm going to hold on tight. Or maybe, maybe I've been sick. Maybe I've been dealing with some prolonged illness or issue. Where's God? Where is he? The heavens are like brass as you pray. It's, nothing's getting through. You see all that's happening in the world too. All this senseless violence, crazy things going on. Something's broken. It might be a relationship. It might be husband, wife, parent, child. Your faith. But the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel and he said, put these two sticks together in your hand. And what is broken, it will become one in my right hand. And you know what? If you're broken, if your faith is far from your heart, 
you're not going to be able to serve God effectively. A broken relationship, a broken trust, doubting God. This is going to get in the way of serving God. You're not going to be able to serve God when you're broken. So put yourself into his hand. Put yourself into his hand and allow him to bring restoration. Now, when you do that, it might leave a scar. You know, I can still see where this is broken. It's together. It's unified. But there's a scar there. What is the scar? Scar is evidence of a wound that's healed. You can't serve God when you're broken, but you can serve him with a scar. You can serve him after you've said, God, I'm going to put you in my hands and let you, let you do some fixing. Let them heal what's broken this morning. You know, if we're honest, if all of us are honest, there's something that's just not perfect in our life. It's not, it's not going the way it should. Something we've been, we might even been doing our best to keep it from God. Well, God, you can't see that. I'm not going to let you. He sees it. And he wants us to bring it to him. Bring it to him this morning. This message of hope and restoration that Ezekiel brought to the captives of Babylon thousands of years ago, that is a message of hope for you today. That hope of restoration that's found in Jesus Christ. You know, it was prophesied by guys like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. And we heard this morning from Brother Barry, when he read Isaiah 41, and he talked about hope, and Isaiah, he also prophesied in chapter 61. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord, God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you know that Jesus read that very scripture? And the day that he read it, he put down the scroll and he said, it's fulfilled in your hearing today. If you need some help, if, if you need something fixed, Jesus was sent to bind up what is broken, to put it back together and make it solid. That's what he is. Jesus is the binder-upper. He is the fixer of what is broken. He can restore marriages and relationships, and he can heal sicknesses, and he can take care of your financial issues. If you trust him, whatever is broken, Jesus Christ is the God of the impossible. And I want us to call on him this morning. Elders of our church, would you please make your way to these altars because today's a day where we come to pray. We come to pray and we open these altars every, every second Sunday for prayer. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you got something broken in your life, you come on forward and let Jesus, let Jesus help you with it. Say, God, I'm going to put it into your right hand. I'm gonna, I, it might be two, three, it might be a hundred thousand pieces. You might be shattered, but I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ can help you and he can help repair and fix what is broken. How ah, will you come this morning? Will you respond this morning? Let's pray as our elders make their way to this altar. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask and pray, God, that we would not be so proud to sit in our seats this morning, God, but say, I got something broken. I know it. I know it, Lord. It, it, it may be something small. It may be something big. It may be something everyone knows about. It may be something I've been hiding all of my life. 
Today, God, I want you to to help me. Today, I want to put it into your hands. God, I'm bringing these pieces, and I believe what your word says. If anyone is sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith, and God, you'll bring that healing, that restoration. You will bring that to us this morning, Father. I pray in Jesus' name, help us, Lord, to respond. Use these elders, God, as as people of blessing, as channels of blessing, conduits for your blessing, God, as your word says. We commit it to you and we ask it in Jesus' name. These altars are open for you, for you. Make your way, come on, and receive prayer. And if you're in the back and you can't, just raise your hand. Throw up your hand back there. And We have elders back there that would pray with you and help you and anoint you with oil. And if you don't, if you don't have a a, a real need this morning, please pray. Pray where you're at. Ask God to visit every single person that comes forward this morning because we believe Jesus can do the work.